Hello everyone. I hope you're all doing good today on this Saturday. So we, of course my thing wants to keep freaking out that I'm unstable. Um, I'm going to go over the murders of Mary and Jenny Kearns. Um, Mary and Jenny were uh, my great aunt and my cousin. Um, and they were murdered by my great uncle, Randy. This is Randy and Mary Kearns. Um, he murdered her and and my uh, cousin Jenny which I believe is her so I got his side of the story of everything that happened that night um, when he sadly took their lives um, this is going to start off a few years before any of this happened. So we'll start going through his story and what he remembers exactly of the night when he murdered his wife and daughter. So we'll start off with what he says. Uh, let me actually get to the page. Okay, so my great uncle Randy and Mary had uh, drug addictions. Um, they were doing speed and um, Randy was doing what is called at the time, sorry, I have all my, my stuff all mixed up, but at the time they were called Moore's Cigarettes where they would take cigarettes and dip them in formaldehyde and the embalming fluid that um, like I said, they, uh, he dipped the cigarettes in formaldehyde to get a high from it and they were also doing what is called speed um, at that time um, when my cousin Jenny was 14 years old. Um, I don't know exactly the age they were, um, or at least the age of um, of Randy and Mary at the time. This is Jenny right here. This is Dennis, um, Anna, Jenny, and Kelly. These are her their siblings. Uh, four of the siblings survived this incident. Uh, when he killed, um, killed those two. Uh, they, like I said, they were doing drugs. Uh, they were also drinking. At the time when we were told, um, after he got arrested and stuff, and he spoke with my parents about this incident, he admitted that they were pimping out their 14-year-old daughter just to get money for more drugs, which is a sad incident for my cousin. Um, 
Alright, so we will get into this um, after he was in the hospital. Um, let's see, he was in the hospital. He was taking 112 milligrams of Libron to keep things going because he was having seizures at the time. Um, he was on medications for eight to nine years for headaches and anxiety attacks. And um, uh, the day that Mary picked him, picked him up, he said he was going to swear off drinking because he had breweries yeast, which was partly the reason why he was getting sick from the reactions. Let's see, so he continued on with his life until he, they thought they were modeled parents. Thank you for the likes, I appreciate that. Um, they thought that they were, you know, model parents trying to be there for their kids and all of that when they truly weren't actually being there for their kids. They were on drugs and alcohol and all of that. Um, see, so we'll go tragically one day, Jenny, which is my cousin. Um, she was raped by one of her friends, and this was, um, and then he held her for days, and, let's see, she was raped by one of her friends, and she, uh, she was held for 14, uh, days, or no, she cried and fought for days, yeah, so he held her for days, but my, um, after that, come to find out that my uncle and aunt were actually pimping her out just to make money to pay for more drugs. Um, so, not too long after that, they ended up in a motel um, still on drugs. They couldn't pay for rent. They were doing all of that and not getting their lives together to to keep their lives going. I'm not really good with fully talking, so I apologize about that. But they were losing themselves. My aunt and my uncle were. Um, again, this is my, my great aunt my great uncle. They lost themselves, started doing drugs, ended up living in a motel. Hello, clan. Thank you for the follow and thank you for joining and they were still doing drugs they needed the money for drugs so they were pimping my 14 year old cousin out to get that money for drugs I'm good how about you I hope you're doing good um, then not too long after that my uncle was completely drunk, um, completely drugged up. He was doing speed and, uh, he was doing speed. He was doing drugs and all of that. Can I help you? Do you want something to eat? No, I told you that. Thank you though. Can I help you? <laughs> so... They lost their jobs. They were living in motel. 
and let's see where I'm trying to find out for where we started this story of what he remembers that day. This is about when he started losing his medications for his seizures. And this is his side of what fully happened. So he said, I needed a replacement for Libium, a mood altering drug. I knew my neighbor, Danny, husband of the lady that started my Aunt Mary on speed used PC, PCP in the shroom form. Uh, for people who don't know, shroom is a mint leaves place uh, laced with PCP, a powerful mind-altering hallucinogenic, uh, like LSD. Says, we rolled it into cigarettes. I later developed a mixture of my own. It took 14 ounces, which was $10 at the time of leaves, mixed with water and speed in an empty baby bottled food jar, and froze the mixture for two to three hours to crystallize. Then thawed it into the refrigerator overnight. We then stored it into the fridge to keep cold. We let it get warm once and Mary, me, and Penny did a healthy run of speed in my advice, you see, instead of water, we used my juice, which his juice also had formaldehyde, formaldehyde uh, embalming fluid. So they had that issue, which embalming fluid can make you extremely high with deadly consequences, and that's exactly what happened. Is we always made sure my love juice, as Mary and I called it, was cold. We named our juice that for obvious reasons. Mary is quite shy about that, so I won't go into it. So we were ready for our usual ritual of doing a healthy run of speed, smoking two shroom joints, and then smoking speed and the roaches of the shroom cigarettes together. That was the ultimate high except for sex when usually came next. Anyway, the shroom was his replacement for Librium, which is a seizure drug. No, I'm not single. Um, let's see. They were playing with death and didn't know it. He had also cut himself from 75 milligrams a day to 25 milligrams a day of Librium, which, like I said, is a uh, seizure medication to help stop seizures. And instead of contacting his doctor or actually getting the help he needed, they were doing the drugs that I had mentioned instead. Uh, let's see. So my body and blood changed slowly to a person who was not functioning mentally or physically. 
while Mary and I were not eating well at all. By January 3rd, I weighed about 130 pounds, a 30-pound loss, and Mary at 125. She looked good, but was so sick like me, but we didn't know it. Penny finally lifted, left, so we had more drugs for ourselves. Her stay is another book, The Neighbor from Hell, which he never wrote, so, because he is in, uh, he is in prison for the rest of his life. He's never getting out. Our eviction day finally came December 10th, 1993. We never really believed we would be evicted. We always hoped the landlord would let us stay in our home, but we were forced to move most of our belongings into a U-Haul storage shed, some into storage at the apartment, and the rest came with us. The first night we slept in our cars, the next mor morning Mary went to welfare and they gave us a hotel voucher for a week's motel rent at the or Ortano Inn in Montclair, California, room 110. So we moved some of our belongings into the one room, two bed, refrigerated and stove, new home. Our two large dogs lived in Mary's Sh Chevrolet, the two smaller ones with us. We tried to make things as comfortable as possible for the kids but it was far from home. Mary was our out most of the time with the kids trying to find a place to live. Usually Kelly stayed with me at the motel. So like I said, he had five kids. Um, two of them were not his biologically, uh, Jenny and Dennis. Um, Mary looked and looked for an apartment or house but could find nothing. Our rent at the motel was coming due again, so we called my mother. She wired another $100, and things were going pretty bad. Everybody was so crowded in the motel room, and the kids spent a lot of time away, which gave Mary and I more time to get high. We needed more money than we could borrow or pawn, so Mary and the kids started stealing. And also, again, like, besides the stilling, she was also, they were also pimping out their 14-year-old daughter at the time as well. Anything would do. Jewelry, clothes, wallets, anything that was, that was not traceable for, or that was actually tradable for drugs or cash. We kept hoping for a welfare check, but it never came. Mary and the kids were at the... Kmart one day and Dennis tried to steal a VCR and got caught. Mary took the blame and went to jail for the next six hours. The next night, Mary and Jenny were out to the store. On the way back to the motel, the car ran out of gas. It was parked in a red zone, so Mary had to, had to decide to leave the car or stay with it. She decided to stay with the car and send Jenny walking to the motel. Jennifer never made it. She was picked up by a man at a red light at gunpoint. She was driven around for a while and then taken to a park and raped. So, again, on top of that, Jenny was also still being pipped out by her family, so she did get raped a few times um, outside of the pimping. Uh, she was 14 years old. He let her go when he was finished with her and she flagged down a policeman and was taken to the hospital. 
The police picked up Mary and brought her home. She was a mess. I felt so sorry for her. She blamed herself for everything. Jennifer took it all pretty good. She started wearing lots of makeup so she would look different. She never got a profesh any professional help. It wouldn't have made any difference. Again, they weren't going to get her her help that she needed anyways because of the fact that they were doing what they were doing. They wanted money for drugs and the only way they could do it is with their daughter. December 25th, 1993. The day of happy faces and exchanging of gifts and cards and laughter. This was the first year our kids woke up to nothing. Not even a tree. Mary and I cried like babies while our kids made the best out of their little things they had been stealing. Our children are the best kids around, even if they did still. One of our friends, Charlie, or Carrie, sorry, one of our friends, Carrie, bought over some gifts and decorations, and we made the room like look like Christmas. Mary and I and the kids felt better thanks to Carrie. Carrie, by the way, was our main supplier for speed. Well, which is bad. So it came and went and the new year was next and we had no plans at all. Friday night, December 31st, we took the kids to the movies. They all went and saw Jurassic Park. Mary and I spent the two and a half hours making love like we never had before. It was a rediscovery for both of us and we talked about the new year and the dreams and the plans we had for each other and the kids. We will never forget that short time, but we will never leave it again. So this is about the time things started getting really bad for them and this is about the time where he ends up doing what he does. And he was high on drugs and alcohol. He was drinking alcohol at the same time, so the mixture of it was not good. The kids came home and we all had steak and pop. It was a feast for us. The kids and I took a motel tower and spread glue on it in the shape of 94 and a K. Then we sprinkled glitter all over the 94K towel. It was something to look at. A sparkly remembrance of the new better year. We all had our dreams we wanted as a family. All we wanted was a new house, our own rooms, our dogs free again, just a normal life again. Happy New Year. It was 12.01 a.m. Happy New Year. Everybody in shouting each reach. The next two days were held trying to find a way to pay a rent on Tuesday. We didn't know Monday night for sure how we were going to pay. I think my mom was going to pay for us again, but rent really didn't matter because Tuesday morning, January 4th, 1994, never came for our family. And love and life came to tragedy. The drug run was over. This is where his hallucinations begin. The police helicopter was circling over the motel, the sirens ringing in the distance. We had to try to get away. I started grabbing things we needed, yelling at Mary at the 
same time to get the kids in your car, Mary, and get get out. I was still grabbing stuff as I ran to my car. I drove fast but cautiously watching police cars coming from all directions. I didn't see if Mary and the kids made it out or not. No way I could help her now. I had the speed and the needles and I had to hide. I pulled into an apartment complex parking stall to hide. I disconnected the buzzer and the interior lights so I could open the door. I had to get out and look around to see which way the police went. I made my way alongside the apartments. Immediately seeing the police walking on the sidewalk, I hid in the bushes. I was wearing black and the street light was far away. I might get lucky. Just stay still, Randy. He was looking right at me, staring. He turned away. They missed me somehow. I stayed in that bush, not moving for what seemed like an hour or longer. The sirens were sounding further and further away. Had to find out if Mary got away. I made my way back to the car without seeing anybody. I could hear dogs barking in the distance and had to be careful. Got to the car and stayed going through what I had. I was so confused and scared, I had trouble sorting things out. Found the speed and two shroom joints, did a line and smoked the shroom and things looked clearer to me. Drank a couple of wine coolers and I was ready to go. I decided to head to a friend's house I knew was close. The drive is the longest I can remember even if it only took two or three minutes. I didn't see any police. At all, I made it to Walt. I finally was able to walk, wake him up after banging on his bedroom window and front door. Walter knew I was Walter knew as I was poised as soon as he saw me. We sat down and he rolled a joint. I didn't smoke grass, but I made an exception. My nerves were going so fast as my heart, and I called my mother in Washington to see if she heard from Mary. She had not. Next, I called my sister to have her call the motel and see who answered the phone in room 110. My body was shaking as I waited to call her back. Would Mary answer or the police? I called my sister back, and she asked me what was the matter. Mary said... You left the motel in a panic, and she didn't know why. She is worried about you and wants you home. What's wrong, Randy? My sister asked. I didn't know what to tell her, so I told her I thought I was having a bad dream or something. I told Walter the same thing and left. As soon as it turned out, there were no police. No police dogs. No helicopters. It was all a hallucination. The only real event was my leaving the motel, driving to a cardboard, hiding in a bush, going to Walter's house, and using the phone and smoking a joint. What a crazy thing to happen. What was wrong with me? Mary would know what to do. I wish now I would have been right. Mary did not know. Her solution was dead wrong and tragic. Don't know what time it was when I got back to the room. My recollection of events is very sketchy. Most of what follows 
is my son's memory. This is where it turns bad. The police reports and my memory. The events are alleged only and should not be taken admins of guilt. My son says I looked high, wore out, and very acceptable and nervous. I don't remember talking to anyone, but I guess I was rambling on about Michael Landon, the deceased movie star and Bruce Lewis and God. I apparently told everybody, Mary, Jennifer, Dennis, Anna, John, and Kelly, that I was going to go with God tonight, and everyone would be rich and well taken care of. I promised them that. I told them I would prove it. There was a movie on TV we never heard seen before. I was able to recite the dialogue to the movie as if I had seen it a dozen or more times. They were all astonished and didn't know what to think. I remember I kissed and hugged everybody goodnight. Everybody went to bed. I think and I am pretty sure Mary and I did a run and our usual smoking. And then we made love that I know that I know we did. We smoked a cigarette and said goodnight. The phone rang. Mary rushed to answer it. It wouldn't wake me, t so it wouldn't wake me. Too late, I heard the phone ring. At the same time, I heard someone at the front door playing with the lock. I took the phone from Mary's hand and hung it up. I went to the door. This is where things go bad. Um, this is why you shouldn't be doing drugs and alcohol because this is where my uncle ends up taking the life of his wife and daughter. I told Mary to get me the gun. Get the gun. She found it and loaded it. She gave me the gun. She gave the gun to me. I told everyone to get down as I opened the front door just a few inches. I saw the men coming again and told everyone to get down. Dennis, Anna, John, and Kelly headed to the bathroom. I turned back towards the door. I think they got inside somehow. I turned back towards Mary and the kids, and a small black man stood where Jenny was standing a few seconds earlier, and a large monstrous black man stood where Mary was standing. I took aim at the small man who was closer and shot him in the chest. The larger grotesque man moved slow but frightened me, and I shot him in the head. I knew both men were from somewhere, but no time to think about it now. Somebody was yelling outside. I looked out, and another crudely dressed large black man with a gun was coming across the parking lot. My foot kicked the door shut as I fired four more shots from my 
38 revolver through the door. I crouched by the door, afraid their friends would show up looking for to retaliate against my family. The only man I saw was over by the wall near the trash. He started firing. I returned fired with pinpoint accuracy. Cars started showing up, and I kept firing left and right. My shots were never ending, but exact. I didn't know how many I had hit, hit or killed. I knew my shots were so sketchily accurate like Bruce Willis in a shootout. Left over right arm, right over left arm with a never-ending supply of bullets. I moved out into the parking lot still firing and they seemed to show up as quick as I would shoot. Like some crazy Nintendo game. Next, a big dog came at me and the dog bypassed me and attacked one of the men after me. A helicopter circled above and I took a few shots at it, fly by, around. I stopped shooting too many of them. I raised my gun to the sky, emptying the spent bullets. They saw it was empty, but it was a trick. The empty casing came from my hand when the gun was loaded. As they loaded their guns, I let loose a menacing barrage of gunplay. Six, seven, eight, nine down before I was tackled from behind. There was four of them that wrestled me into a car with the handcuffs on. I was hurting all over and worried about my family. I tried to sit up to see what was going on, and there were three in front of the car loading their automatic weapons and smiling at me. I was never going to see my loved ones again. I pictured death as a helliest nightmare with a Freddy Krueger type person running my diabolical life. The gunfire started blasting out the window, windshield, and piercing my body. I could feel life slowly and surely leaving like a smooth, orgasmic feeling of strength draining in a constant until darkness sets. Darkness did, and I knew I was dead. Was there a bright light or a tunnel? All I felt was nothing and kept and a deep blackness suddenly. I felt the handcuffs pop off as a glowing light opened. And I knew that I, Randall Kearns, was God Almighty, Father of all men and creatures. I stood up through the car and to the ground. All men f around fell to their knees. Mary and the kids ran to the car, amazed, yelling at me that they knew I was who I was. Mary was crying. I said for her not to worry that just the day had some come. And I said, what's next to do? And all was gone. But I and my family, standing in a blue haze with a silver white white clothes around, flying around, we all were content and happy as slam went the car door. I was laying on the seat, hurting bad as the handcuffs dug into my wrist. I sat up and the policemen in the front seat said something I don't remember what. I had no idea what was going on, none at all. I just knew I was so tired, so very tired. I think I went to sleep next. I remember as being a Montclair police station. I called my sister and she told me the tragedy unfolding to me.
my wonderful wife and best friend, Mary, and my beautiful daughter of 14 were both dead and I was being charged with their killing. I still can't believe it three months later. Well, that's it, my story. Tomorrow is March 18th, 1994. Jenny would have been 15 years old. Randall Brian Kearns, 3, 1994. So what truly happened is where his daughter and his wife were standing, he was so drugged up that he did not remember who they were. He literally thought they were different people. And come to find out, um, the cops did find him later that night. Um, guess he had run out of there trying to get their blood off. And he, they found him in a bush. Hiding, hiding from them. He has no recollection of what truly happened that night. But as you can hear... He ended up killing his wife and daughter as he thought that they were now two um, people who had broke into the hotel room. Um, the drugs were so bad that the mixture of it made him hallucinate so badly that in fact he ended up did murdering his wife and daughter. Um, I did my research as best as I could. I only got what I could from my mom and dad because they were close to my parents. Um, my great uncle is in life, life in prison. Um, Jenny was 14 years old. And her birthday is my birthday, which is very weird to know. Um, to this day my uncle does not have recollection of what truly happened but he did admit a lot of things and besides the drugs that he was on he also did pimp out Jenny which is the 14 year old girl that he murdered um, his daughter and her mom was in on it as well Mary but mixing the drugs that they were mixing made it to the point where they didn't recognize anything. They didn't recognize their own life. And in that process, he ended up taking the life of two people he loved. And with that, he is now spending life in jail. But he did sadly take the life of his daughter and his wife because of the drugs he was taking. So that is a weird story to tell because I knew them. I was three years old at the time, but I knew them. We played with their kids and we knew that family. Um, but having your own uncle murder your cousin and your 
great aunt is something that is hard to fully understand. The most thing that we know is that he was completely high, completely drugged. He does not remember doing any of it. Thank you for the follow. I really appreciate it. But yeah. So, with drugs in his system, he hallucinated so bad that he killed his wife and daughter. Um, he does not remember any of it. He's not going to remember any of it. All he remembers is that where his wife and daughter were standing were two people he'd never saw before, never recognized, and broke into their motel room. So, with that, I will show you Randy and his wife. This is my great uncle. This is his wife. She was the one that was murdered. He murdered her and their daughter. Um, I don't have a very good picture of her when she was 14 years old. But these are all the kids. This is this is Jenny. And then Jonathan, Anna, Denise, and Kelly are all in here. Four of them did survive, but the others did not. Um, so I was talking about my great uncle um, using drugs to the point where he did not recognize his own wife and daughter and sadly ended up murdering them. Um, the drugs he was doing at the time, uh, they were called Morris cigarettes. Morris cigarettes are dipped in formaldehyde, embalming fluid, which makes a stronger high and a stronger hallucinogenic. And they were also on speed. Um, in that process, they ended up in a motel and he murdered her and my cousin. Um, this happened back in 1994. Um, it was a long time ago. I did know the family. I was three years old at the time. Um, but we played with all their kids and I thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, my, I got to talk to my parents more about it because they knew him. And besides my, my aunt and uncle's drug addiction had gotten so bad with that, they were sadly pimping out my 14-year-old cousin at the time, Jenny. And she is the one that was murdered. And so was, so this is jenny or jennifer and this is mary and these are the two that were murdered by him uh, she was 14 i don't have any recent pictures there were no recent pictures of her um these are the three kids that survived uh there is another kid dennis but he went with, back with his dad, so um, I have not spoken with that family in a very long time. I reached out to my cousin, seeing if he'll talk, <laughs> but yeah. So that's 
what it was all about is just one thing to say don't don't do drugs don't mix drugs with your prescriptions don't drink drugs do that because it can lead to bad consequences and this is the consequence that he will forever live why he's in prison for the rest of his life so please you know just stay safe out there don't do stuff that could get you killed or end up you killing other people so y'all stay safe thank you all for who came and joined and thank you all for the likes i appreciate that and thank you all for coming out and listening to a family murder um I really appreciate it all, and you all have a great day, okay? Thank you for the likes. I appreciate it. Bye, everyone.